It's our job to tell better stories. And always remember, it's the risk takers that are rewarded. People are sick and tired of being marketed to, and they're sick and tired of being sold. The single biggest story today in sales and marketing is how our customers are buying different Hey everyone and welcome to another episode of the Growth Hub podcast brought to you by SaaS marketing agency Advanced B2B. It's your host here Edward Ford and today we are joined by Guillaume Caban aka G who is VP of Growth at Drift. So G is also known as the mad scientist of Silicon Valley and in this episode he shares his insights on growth marketing, some of his crazy experiments and how he's planning to build up the growth function at Drift, including why G decided to join Drift and how he handled his first 100 days as the first member of the growth team, the purpose of growth marketing at Drift, its role within their monthly product launches, which are known as marketable moments, and how the team operates in between other functions such as marketing and sales. G also shares some of his craziest experiments that he's run while at Drift, some of the big challenges facing growth marketers and how G plans to build out the growth team during 2018. And finally, G also lifts the lid on his famous hot coffee experiment. And trust me, you're going to want to stick around for that. Also, stay tuned to the end of the episode where G takes on our Fast Five Challenge and gives his best piece of advice for fellow SaaS growth marketers. So here is episode 15 of the Growth Hub podcast with Guillaume Caban, VP of Growth and Mad Scientist at Drift. Well, welcome to the Growth Hub podcast, everyone, and welcome to the show, Guillaume Caban, aka G, VP of Growth at Drift. So thanks so much for joining us today, G. Hey, thanks, everyone, for having me. Yeah, and especially because today is a public holiday in the States, which neither of us knew about until uh, <laughs> until recently, so I really appreciate That's that uh, you took the time out. But yeah, so let, let's jump in and I want to start with a tweet that uh, David Cancel, Drift CEO, wrote on Twitter and he wrote, he wrote that uh, Drift didn't hire you, but you hired Drift and you've done some really cool stuff in the past having worked at Mention in Paris. You spent over five years at Apple as the business development manager for the European online store and more recently you were at Segment as VP of Growth. So tell us, why did you join Drift? Yeah, um... I think there's a lot of good reasons. One is uh, I was a customer of Drift uh, for a year and a half before joining. And so I knew the products and I knew the team well. And, and more recently, uh, I've had the luxury of having the choice of choosing uh, where I want to go, having multiple options. And knowing a team and knowing uh, the product, what they built, um, is, is critical for me. Uh, I don't need to do a lot of back channel uh, and and have getting advice when I know the team and I know the product, right? Uh, I can trust what I've used. Um, so I think that's the most important thing. Uh, second is uh, you could have a great team and a great product, but have no traction because they they've just made the wrong bet on the wrong market. Uh, fortunately for me, uh, Drift has uh, insane traction, uh, and of course uh, that's exciting for me as someone who's in growth, uh, working on a very successful product. Uh, one of has traction. So good product, good team, good traction. That's a pretty good mix. Yeah. And actually I was speaking with Dave Gerhardt, so Drift's marketing director on an earlier episode of the podcast. And mm-hmm. at that time he mentioned that Drift didn't have a formal growth function. So you joined in September to kind of ramp that up. So tell us about your, your first hundred days at Drift. What have you done and how have you started to build up the growth function? 
Yeah. Um, so, I mean, the first 100 days for me, um, it's pretty typical. Uh, first, I try to understand uh, what's happening uh, and un understand the systems. Uh, I see growth as technical marketing. Uh, at least that's, that's how I want to see it. I, I like technical growth marketing. And so it means I need to understand the systems. Everything like uh, how are we tracking users on the site and in the app? Uh, how are we building people? Uh, how do we sell to people? Do we have a, a sales? Um, we have salespeople. Do we have a Salesforce instance? Uh, how do we report the sales? Uh, do we? How do we price the product? Uh, so there's a lot of lot of lot of stuff to understand. Um, and then I find gaps, uh, things that I know from my experiments for the for the team I'm going to hire. Um, I need some more tooling, more systems, or more reporting. And so then I build that, right? So I, I bought a lot of software. Uh, the, the, the usual suspects that I've been working with for the past uh, three or four years now. So uh, I've renegotiated the contract of segment. Uh, I've, I've bought uh, Mad Kudu. Uh, I've handled the contract with Clearbit, uh, with Datanize. Uh, a lot, lot of software that, 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 I've, that I've added. Um, so that I know that when I bring in the first people, they are empowered with the right tooling so they can do stuff, but also that we are tracking our users the right way so that they understand what's happening and the consequences of the experiments. Because growth is, is experimental. You change or you create something new in the hope that, um, that it, it creates an uplift. But if, you, if you're not measuring correctly, how do you know that there's an uplift, right? Um, unfortunately, that's what I see in most companies is that they, they, do, um, they, they do a change uh, and they hope uh, that it, it, it's going to create a positive, it's going to create an uplift, right? But they don't really track what happens before, after, and between. Uh, and that, that's not experimental. So uh, you got to be really rigorous. And so tracking and tooling are critical before hiring. That's in my view. Yeah. And do you actually consider yourself to be a marketer or would you go by another term like growth hacker or, or something different? Yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I, um, I think people can call me a, a number of, of ways and I think all of them are, are fine. Um, um, there's a lot of verticals and marketing that I'm not good at. And I think one of the reasons I try to, to shy away from marketer is uh, marketer is going to include generally stuff like field marketing, uh, like uh, branding, um, copywriting, and I'm not great at that. Um, on the other hand, I don't code and I'm not an engineer either. Right, so that that leaves me with limited choices. Right, if I'm not a marketer, I'm not an engineer. What am I? And so, in between, I found something. I found a, a family that, that could welcome me, and that's growth marketing um, or growth hacking. It's the same thing. And yeah, and, and I feel I feel great there um, because I can have a, a big impact um, with my limits within the boundaries of my limits. I'm, I'm old enough now to know my limits. <laughs> okay, good. What I'm good at and what I'm not good at. I think a few <laughs> years ago, I thought, you know, I was a, I was a CMO, uh, uh, like eight years ago now, I was a CMO of an internet security company in Paris, where I learned a ton. And I realized I was really bad at branding, copywriting, and, and, and like traditional marketing. Uh, and so I think the luxury of people who have experience is knowing what they're not great at and trying to avoid that. Yeah, and you were actually recently on an episode of Seeking Wisdom, and you mentioned in that episode that your life goal is, is to create good experiences for prospective and actual customers. So how do you actually achieve this as a growth marketer? 
Yeah. Um, I think it's, I mean, the, the, it's lofty goal. It's a big goal. I think to answer your question, um, I try to push my own company's marketing and the, the other people who read about what I do and who try to, to, to follow a bit um, those principles of knowing more um, about the users and emailing or contacting them to the right channel at the right time with the right message to make it more relevant. Um, the way I'm, when I do that, it pushes my competitors to acknowledge that increase in performance because it means I can uh, get users to sign up and to pay for a lower cost because there's a high conversion, which means that my capital efficiency goes up while theirs um, stays stable. And they will acknowledge that and it creates pressure. Um, and if there's enough marketers around who do that, what happens is that the whole market needs to go up in quality because those who stay stable die because they are not competitive anymore. And so by doing that, by putting pressure, we are actually improving marketing for everyone. That's, that's how I see it. Yeah. And Adrift, you guys are releasing one new product each month, which you call Marketable Moments. So this is a... Yeah pretty fast pace. So for you working in the growth function, how, how do you keep up with this pace and what is your role within the context of each product launch? Yeah, well, first, it's the first time I, I see a company that's doing that and it's amazing. Uh, I, I, I've never seen a company launch a product uh, every month and at Drift we do and it's, it's really, it's a thrill and it's, it's also a lot of work and I respect the team if I turn for that. Uh, my role is to uh, support uh, either in the early phases of the product. So, for example, we just launched Drift Sequences in January, uh, which is an email uh, sequence tool for salespeople. Um, and I, I helped and I worked with the, with the product team working on this product um, from September to December. Um, because I know uh, as a growth marketer, um, the market, and I've been a user of different uh, um, sales sequences products. Then during and after the launch, uh, I'm going to do stuff like awareness and finding new channels of acquisition, understanding also the, the conversion rate of those users for this product and, and, all, and all that. Yeah, and you mentioned that the most recent launch that came earlier this month in January was Drift Sequences. And like mm -hmm. you said, that sales email reinvented to help reps start more conversations with their potential customers. So that's the little tagline for the product. So it could be dive into that a little bit more and tell us, sure. you know, what is Drift Sequences and what does it mean for marketing, growth and sales teams? Yeah, um, well, if you take a step back, Drift is a, a platform to help, um, say, companies uh, sell to other companies uh, or to help companies buy from other companies, uh, either way you want to see it. Uh, and we started um, from the side of chat because there was a there was a good opportunity there, uh, and we created a wedge in the market from chat, and that worked really well for the past two years. Uh, but we didn't want to stay in chat; we wanted to expand and cover all uh, all the scope of communication between a company and its prospective customer. Uh, and of course, the next uh, target was email. Uh, and in email, the sales email. I think the reason why we do it is because uh, the experience of people receiving sales email is awful. Most of the time, you 
Edward, you, you get emails, I'm sure. You get a lot of, of spammy emails. I get a lot of those, right? And it's just like, I get like six emails in a row, which are like, just like, it's a bad experience. And we've had someone in our team uh, sign up for Salesforce uh, for uh, a developer account to just to try a trial account. And they got called and called and emailed by the sales team, even though the name of the account is, this is a test account, do not call me. Right? It's funny, right? And like, it's just like it's the automation gone crazy and the people, the humans, not even like reading the first name, right? Um, and, and so it's nuts. And I think that's something we want to change and we think we have the opportunity to change it now, right? By um, saying the days of spray and pray are over because you could, sure, you can create some sales and some revenue by spamming and by sending a kind of emails, but you are burning your market you are creating a scorched earth strategy. And that will only last you a few years. If you believe in your product, you believe in your brand, you have to invest in your reputation. And sending sales emails uh, the old way is not investing, right? It's actually uh, spending your, your brand equity, right? And so we want to help uh, sure bring the revenue because sales emails are still important, but it means we need to help you send the right email to the right person with the right content at the right time, right? And that's what uh, Drift Sequences is about, right? It's trying to help the sales bring the same or more revenue, but with less emails. Send less emails, maximize the revenue. That's what we're about. Awesome. And a lot of people, when you talk about email, say that, you know, email is dead or that, you know, it's it's something from 10, 15 years ago, but you've actually spoken about some really good results you've had using email. And yeah. you think that the problem is not with email, it's just that people are using it incorrectly. So can you tell us how, how do you Correct. approach email and, and yeah. what can growth marketers do here? Well, you know, when, when you look at the channel, uh, the first thing you, you look at is like your target market, how much time are they on that channel? So when you look at Facebook, it's like how many hours per day is your target market on Facebook? Uh, and the same for every other channel, right? And so you look at like in the old way in the, the TV ads, you know, you look at how many seconds they see a TV ad, right? And or how many hours per day is the US, you know, person in front of a TV. Well, as professionals, we spend most of our day on email. You know, I, I spend like most of my day answering emails. And so saying that I'm not, I'm not on the email channel is, is wrong. And it's wrong for all the professionals around. Now, the problem is that I'm ignoring your email. I'm deleting it, all my system is for me, right? And that's because the email provides no value. If your email is valuable, so if you take the, the opposite, say that uh, you, Ed, or someone in, in, who listens to this podcast, receives a valuable email from someone uh, that they recognize, a human being, that, that is not intended to like extract them their money immediately. Uh, most likely you're gonna read it and respond to it, right? Most likely. Um, and so the problem is not the channel. The problem is what we're sending in the email. And yeah, I mean, in the past, uh, especially ad segment, uh, where I, I did uh, quite a lot of inbound and outbound email automation, by improving the relevance, uh, we were able to achieve in the 15 to 20% response rates on cold email. Cold email, you know? Wow. And that means that we had an 80% open rate on those emails, which is more than what most people get on their newsletter, newsletters, right? And that's because if you think about it, what is a newsletter? A newsletter is your brand saying the same thing to everyone because you think as the brand market that it's interesting 
and you think that everyone in the in your in your in your list has a desire to know more about your product this month. And if you think of it that way, that's just wrong. You know, it's just wrong. You know, I I don't want to read about your latest updates. You know, I mean, there's like most of it just doesn't. It's not relevant for me. You know, because I just use like one one part of the product. It's just imagine if like Microsoft Excel would send you every month an update of the new features in Excel. Like no one cares because you just scratch the surface of Excel, right? And we just don't realize that. And so, however, when I send an email and I talk about what I know about your business, about your competitors, about how my product is relevant for your industry and examples and, and quotes of people in your industry, in your role who have succeeded and it comes from someone that you can relate to, of course people open the email. Of course they do. Yeah, this is sounding a lot similar to some of the things Ed Fry was telling us when he was on the show. I think he was episode seven. So go and check that out if you want to dig yeah. deeper into, into this. Um, yeah, and Hull. So Ed works for Hull. Yeah. Hull is one of the tools that I have um, installed uh, early on in, in, uh, as, as when I joined Adrift. It's a great tool. It's a CDB, customer data platform, that I use to uh, bring in central location all of the buying signals of my audience and then um, trigger the delivery of my emails um, directly based on, on like what I know about that customer. Okay. Yeah. Good to know that it's in the stack. So check out our, our podcast with Ed and uh, definitely go and check out hull.io after this, uh, this podcast. Yeah. And yeah. you're also known as the mad scientist of Silicon mm -hmm. Valley. So I have to ask, what are some of the craziest experiments that you've had chance to run while you've been at Drift? Yeah, so when you Drift uh, only six months in, but I've, I've done a, a few funny things. I think what I've productized uh, recently with uh, the most success, because when you say crazy, I mean, people want to see, they want <laughs> to hear crazy successful. There's also crazy failures, right? So, but let's talk about crazy successful. Um, I've, um, I've worked with G2 Crowd, which is a SaaS review platform uh, that I, I think most B2B people know. Yep. Um, that uh, lets you, you list your product, right? Uh, and, and get some, some requests. What most people don't know is that I've, um, and they actually offer the ability, the, the option to pay in an additional package um, and buy the traffic to your category, your page, and also the pages of your competitors. And so um, when uh, a visitor comes to the page of one of my main competitors, or the category page for that matter, I will get a ping uh, about that IP address, the cookie ID, the page they visited, and, and the company name, right? And I automatically process that. Um, I aggregate all the visits from that company over a certain time frame. Um, and then I notify the sales rep who's in charge of that account, uh, or I create an account in sales if there's none, um, to tell them about that buying intent, that buying behavior. And that's been really successful. So you can think of it as um, a year and a half ago when I was that segment, I created the reveal loop, which is using the IP traffic through Clibit Reveal to know which companies are visiting your website and applying a level of machine learning with Madkudu to know which ones within this are, are have the right fit or um, likely to buy. It's the same thing, but applied outside of my website. It's me expanding my reach on third-party websites and knowing about the buying behavior, the buying intent um, 
on, on third-party sites, which is amazing because it means that intent hasn't been expressed to me yet. They haven't, they probably don't even know about my brand, about my product. They haven't come to my website, but I know that they're on a buying motion and I can send that to my sales rep so that they can pull the rug from under my competitors. Ah, yeah, that's super cool. And can you do that on, or have you been doing that on other, other third-party platforms in addition to G2 Crowd? Yeah, so I'm, I'm working with uh, Trust Radius and Siftery, uh, both of which don't officially sell it yet, but I'm working with them to qualify, uh, to get the quality of the traffic and get the, the, the size of traffic. So I already have the extracts. And uh, for example, for Siftery, it's really high quality. You know, the traffic is smaller, but the, the traffic quality, which means the percentage of high-fit companies uh, that are likely to buy versus low-fit companies that are like really small companies that are not going to buy, is, is extremely high, higher than on, on um, G2Crowd. So uh, that's really interesting. Um, and, and I think I'm, I'm lucky enough that um, people come to me offering extracts of that data so that I can tell them if it's worth something or not, and I can uh, then close a, a partnership uh, before most marketers can. Cool. That's a competitive edge. Yeah, definitely. That's one, that's one good example. Yeah, that was super good. And uh, one thing I want to ask now is that working in SaaS and marketing and, and growth in particular is not easy. So what do you feel is or what are some of the biggest challenges facing growth marketers? Uh, that's a good question. Um, I think the biggest challenge, and I, and I think my, my friends, um, Sean Claus and Darius Contractor uh, would agree, uh, Sean is at Metromize and Darius is at Dropbox. We talked uh, two months ago about that. I think the biggest challenge is um, getting the approval or, uh, internally uh, to build a team to exist and to run your experiments. Um, growth is, is an, it's, it's new, right? It's a new function. Um, and it doesn't really exist uh, in most companies. Uh, and even when it does, it's really hard to fit between marketing, product, and engineering. Right. Mm. Uh, what do you own? What do you not own? Who do you report to? What's the metric that you're accountable for? Um, all those questions, you know, change from one company to the other. It's not clearly defined, um, which means that there's a lot of politics. And when a lot of politics come in, it, it's really challenging. Um, so, for example, uh, is growth in charge of revenue? Okay, but then does that mean that no one else is? Well, that's wrong because you know that sales are in charge of revenue too. And so, so you see that for other, other teams like marketing, uh, if you know, there's a, an issue with the brand, it's clear that marketing is in charge, super clear. If the product goes down, engineering is there. Like what does growth really own? Do they just like do some cool experiments and move from one to the other, to the next shiny object as soon as they've finished? That's not great either. And so defining what you really do, what you own and what you're accountable for, uh, is I think the biggest challenge for both marketers and working with other teams to, uh, let's say, create growth for the product uh, on the long term uh, while continuing to have relationships with the other teams is also the, a huge problem. Yeah. So Adrift, what is it that you as a growth team are then responsible for? Have you managed to crack that yet? Yeah. So uh, we are responsible for the self-service revenue um, as well as the lead generation uh, for the uh, enterprise sales. Um, so I'd say the top, you could think of it as the top of funnel um, revenue drivers. 
Um, so marketing is slightly above us. Marketing does all the brand, the awareness, the content marketing, and we're going to be in charge of all the conversion rates. So conversion to paid on self-service, conversion to lead on enterprise. That, that's how you could see it. But I mean, there are some, that's good. There's also, I mean, it's pretty clear. Obviously there's, there's some gray boundaries. I prefer to see those as opportunities. We call that like um, shared um, metrics. And it's critical to have a shared metric with other teams. So for example, um, marketing owns the traffic in terms of volume. Um, but if they just send like bad traffic, then we have an issue. And so we co-share the traffic quality metric. So that's one. And now if you think with the sales team, um, of course, we're, we're both aligned on revenue. Um, and I'm in charge of leads. But if I, send, if I just send bad leads, that's an issue. And so we co-share the, the lead quality qualification ratio. So I think co-sharing a metric with another team really helps align uh, the experiments and, and the incentives. Yeah, I just want to dig into this a little more because this is super interesting. Sure. And how do you actually coordinate then and work with the other functions across the organization? You know, whether that is product engineering, marketing, sales, customer support, yeah. customer success, because you need to be fully aligned and especially so considering the pace at which Drift is launching new products with these marketable moments. So how yeah. does that work? So let's talk about sales. Well, just one example, but one I like a lot because most organizations uh, have an issue aligning marketing and sales. Most yeah. of the companies where, where I talk to, they say, oh, yeah, yeah, I go talk to the marketing team and the marketing team is going to say, oh, we do a great job. You know, we have a lot of MQLs, you know, those marketing qualified leads. Then you go talk to sales and they're going to tell you, we don't have enough leads and those that we, go, that, that we get are bad. All right. And so there's a disconnect. Um, and um, what I do usually is I do two things. Uh, I do shared. So I, I do um, top to bottom and bottom to top uh, agreements. So, for example, we have a plan on the number of qualified leads that we need to deliver to the sales team. And that qualification is not done by sales. It's not done by marketing. It's done by a third party. And that third party is Mad Kudu. So Mad Kudu created this lead scoring um, engine. Um, and they apply it uh, to all of our leads. And it's, it's based on past conversions. It's super high efficiency. They're able to predict about... 70 to 80% of our future one deals from all of our signups and, and lead generation. So uh, from about like 10 to 15% of those leads, right? So 15 to, to, to 80% is, is a really good model. And anyways, the point is they define what a qualified lead is. Not me, not someone, not someone else in the organization. So that's, that's neutral. That's great. So we know that what we need to deliver. On the other hand, sales has an upwards SLA, which means that they agree that for a qualified lead of the top two categories, they will get to that lead within less than 24 hours, right? Just like when you buy a software, there's an SLA level. When you, when you like buy a cloud software, uh, like stuff on AWS, you have like 99.999% efficiency uptime. That's an SLA. It's a service level agreement. Well, I have an SLA myself to deliver qualified leads, they have an SLA to me to get to that lead in 24 hours. Why does that matter? It matters because we know that once we detect the buying intent within a lead, that intent is at its peak within the first few hours. The more you wait, the lower the conversion is going to be. And because my incentive is on revenue, if I de deliver leads 
and they don't get to that lead fast enough, they are negatively impacting my revenue, right? And so having an SLA means that they guarantee that they will get to those qualified leads in time. And it's their problem, not mine to do it. Uh, and that's great. That's really great because then we know that the experience from the customer's perspective is going to be good and that if they have the desire to buy, we will help them buy. That's what we do, right? You have to remember that buying cloud software, SaaS software, most of the time is a painful experience. From the buyer's perspective, most of the time, if you've bought it, you had to go through layers and layers of like salespeople, AEs, BDRs, SDRs, you name it. It's, it's awful. And so my job is just to make sure that if you want to buy, we are here to help you buy. Right? Think of it as, as an Apple store. You know, I work at I work at Apple for a long time. Think of the Apple store. When you go in an Apple store, no one's jumping on you, and then no one is forcing you through like different like ways to buy and like adding a software and different hardware. They are there, they are present. If you want to buy, you can buy on the spot. You don't even need to go to a cashier counter. Right? That's how I want my staff software buying experience to be. Yeah, love it. And I actually read a great blog post. Uh, I think it was from, from David Cancel writing about how mm -hmm. he wants to build Drift. Uh, so it's like the Apple store. So love exactly. it. And, yeah, and love it. And uh, also having a third party come in to qualify SLAs between marketing and sales. That's a genius idea. I think that could solve a lot of uh, pain points within companies where sales and marketing need mm -hmm. to get aligned a little better. Um, one question I want to ask now is, is that uh, you mentioned earlier on that you joined Drift in September as the first person mm -hmm. in the growth team and sure. you're planning to hire the first member of the growth team uh, quite soon. Yeah. So tell us a bit about your plans for, for this year and how you are going to ramp up and grow the actual growth function at Drift. Sure. So um, I said that we are targeted on self-service revenue as well as enterprise legion. So I'm hiring uh, two leaders for those functions to run the experiments and the projects on, on, on those uh, on those verticals. And I'm hiring, I was, I've already actually hired two engineers uh, who are joining in the next uh, two weeks um, to be engineers on the growth team. They will be shared. Um, that's how we're going to start. Two kind of PMs, two engineers. And then I think we're going to add um, either more marketers or more engineers depending on uh, what sticks, what kind of experience sticks. Uh, probably more engineers, uh, probably uh, a data scientist. And, and so we'll see how, how that goes. Um, so right now I'm looking for, let's say, kind of growth PMs. Um, and I know usually people ask me, so okay, so what do you look for? Right? Well, what's the, what are the traits of a good growth PM that, that works with you? And um, people usually think that I want uh, other people with lots of ideas. And that's not true. Um, it's not true at all because I want people who actually counterbalance my craziness. You know, I have enough craziness to feed a lot of people. You know, I, ha I have enough ideas and craziness, and and I know, you know, I, I can create a hundred projects in a day. Uh, what I need is people to uh, kind of tame me down a bit and like um, be able to be good enough at that job to understand the ideas and the projects, and then run the numbers, see if it makes sense. And then I actually built a one pager um, to explain that to engineers and then run the project with the engineers and come back in a week or two uh, with the results. That's what I want. 
So people who are very structured. I am very unstructured. And so I really believe that in life, you need to counterbalance, you know, uh, what you do. Otherwise, everyone goes in a rabbit hole. Uh, and I'm really good at going in a rabbit hole. Um, <laughs> so so that, that, that's what I do. I try to hire people who are, um, who understand, who are, who are good enough at growth, growth hacking, that they understand the very complex experiments I want to build, but at the same time are very structured. Okay, so if you have any very structured growth marketers out there listening, then uh, we can encourage them to get in touch with you over the Definitely. coming weeks. And yeah. I have some small experiments for them. Um, okay. I have some small <laughs> challenges uh, that I, I might actually publish in the, in the next few weeks um, that I use to evaluate. And so I, give, um, I can give like a, um, an experiment or a challenge in one paragraph and a one-minute challenge. And then people can work on it for a day or two and they come back to me with the results and I, I can evaluate to see if, if it makes sense or not. Okay, awesome. Sounds good. And actually, I have to kind of bring this up because speaking of crazy ideas, I want to ask about the uh, famous coffee experiment that you ran when you were at Segment. So tell us about that and how you wanted to instantly deliver a hot cup of tea or coffee to your most valuable leads. Sure. Um, So, I mean, it all started by me using Drift as a customer when I was the the VP of growth at Segment. And the way I used Drift was um, on top of Clearbetrivia, on top of Matic-Kudu, once I know uh, who are the qualified visitors, though anonymous, but qualified, so I know that they have they, come, they work for a company that has a high likelihood of closing at the, on the enterprise plans, um, and I wanted to increase that conversion rate. So I added Drift on my site, targeting specifically those people. And that worked well. The question is, how do you get those people to engage? How do you get them to like, give you their email or their name? You know, um, sure, increasing the, the message relevance and saying that you can help them works. But I wanted to test, you know, what was the limit. And the limit for me was, well, when you go buy an expensive car or like a, a house, you know, like something, what do the salespeople do? The first thing they do usually is they offer you something to drink, usually hard drink, you know. And I was reading at the time um, a psychology uh, paper on the impact of hot drinks um, on close rates uh, and on the perception that humans have of what other people are saying when they are drinking a hot drink. And actually your perception of your opponent, quote unquote, or the, the salespeople, uh, improves when you drink a hot drink. And so the recommendation of the paper was always take a cup of cold water when you're making a big decision. Right. And so I thought about that. And so that's interesting, you know? So I read a lot of that psychology. And so I think that's interesting. But how can I apply that? Because I'm in SaaS, I'm on the internet. I can't offer a hard drink. And I thought about it and said, well, really, can't I? Because like we are able to get like coffees delivered in, in major US cities with postmates, you know, in, in in like 20 minutes. So like why can't I do that? And so I actually created a bot on Drift that captured uh, the order of a hard drink. And so it was start off. But instead of saying, hey, we can help you buy our software because we work with companies like yours, right? Which is like, okay, it works. We changed that to, hey, do you want tea or coffee? That was the intro bot, you know, uh, the first line. And, and so people will be startled. They're like, what do you mean? Do I want a hot drink? I'm, I'm on like Segment's website. What do you mean? Well, you know, like, do you want a hot drink right now? And people say, sure, yeah. And we'd say, okay, do you want tea or coffee? And say, well, I want coffee. You say, okay, you want milk? You want sugar? We just built the order. That would trigger uh, a webhook 
through Sendozo, which is a great procurement platform. Check them out if you don't know them. And Sendozo has an API into Postmates. And Postmates, for those who are not in the US, is a, uh, a courier service which delivers with like people on bikes and, 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 and scooters, delivers uh, stuff uh, across major US cities and would actually trigger the delivery of the coffee to the HQ address. Um, and so of course, for that to work, we need to ask a name. Now you, name, now you know the person you're chatting to and the person is getting a coffee in 15, 20 minutes. Now is your opportunity to create the relationship. The cost of that delivery is like $15, $12, $17, you know, the coffee plus delivery, which is really cheap in B2B to actually get a contact to engage compared to all other channels. It's really, really cheap. And so that's what's interesting is that you're doing, so if you break down the experiment, it's unique. No one else is doing that. Fantastic, all right? And so uniqueness creates mem uh, memorization. People remember that this website has a way for you to get a coffee when you chat with the salespeople. Great. Second, it's inclusive. Everyone likes tea or coffee. You know, around the world, the acceptance of tea or coffee, if you take both, is like extremely high. You know, amongst like uh, technology workers, it's like, I don't know, higher than 95%, right? Everyone drinks a hot drink. Um, and three, it actually uh, enables you to capture uh, the name and create a relationship. So that's like the making of a good experiment. And it's cheap compared to like other channels. So you got those four legs, which are like really the makers of a good experiment. Amazing. That is, that is just totally awesome. I, I've actually heard you speak about that uh, before. So I was at yeah. the, uh, at the SAS talk event in Dublin where you brought this up and uh, <laughs> yeah. I was like, okay, we have to go into this on the podcast as well. So I think it's one yeah. of the coolest experiments in B2B SAS marketing of what you can do if you just yeah. open your mind and get a bit creative, but then yeah. also execute as well. So yeah. Perfect. And I'm actually working on, on creating a, a product to make it simpler because right now it's, it's quite complex to achieve. And so at Drift, one of my roles is actually to productize or to help the product team productize those experiments once they're successful. And so the coffee experiments, I'm actually working with Sendozo to create an integration so that you will be able to add the uh, hot coffee um, option directly in Drift to your bot in a few months. And that's going to be awesome. Because, oh, man, hey, yeah. if all I do in life, if the only thing I do in life is that once you're qualified, once you, once you are the right fit for a company, you get hot coffees delivered at your work. I think that's a pretty good achievement in terms of, in terms of improving the marketing for everyone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. You know? as, as I like to say it, you know, well, before you got a, a spammy email in your, in, your, in your inbox, now you have a hot coffee. At least you can drink it. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So we can maybe expect drift coffee as one of your marketable moments later on this year. Definitely. Definitely. So, no, I mean, going further, we're actually building an integration platform. So um, we've announced in December uh, dev.drift.com. So it's, um, it's a place where people can build on top of drift. And now I'm actually uh, helping some of the partners I've worked with in the past create those integrations. And so, we're going to have kind of a marketplace where uh, marketers can create uh, experiments uh, of their own, but more than anything else, just replicate the successful ones that uh, other people have talked about, not just anyone. Awesome. Okay. So there's a lot of good stuff to, to look forward to then this year. And yeah. uh, I'm thinking now we uh, could move on to the closing questions. I actually wrap this up uh -huh. by just checking the clock. So we could move to the 
uh, fast five challenge is what sure. we call it. So I'm just going to ask five questions and all you need to do is answer them as quickly as possible. So are you ready? Yep, I am. All right, let's do this. So the first one is what books are you currently reading? Uh, the Signal and the Noise from Nate Silver. Great. Can you tell us a SaaS company that you love and why? Uh, if it's not a company that I use as a tool or partner, uh, I'd say Algolia. Uh, yeah. Because they have made uh, something that's not, uh, I'd say, enticing or sexy uh, search into an amazing product uh, with great marketing uh, awareness and a community around it. And I think that execution was like a second to none. Okay. And I'm glad you brought up that company because we might be having a guest from Algolia next week. Let's see. Wow. You'll have to subscribe and uh, see what happens. But uh, yeah, question three. Click the button. Yeah, exactly. So... Your favorite place to read about growth and SaaS marketing online? Uh, growthhackers.com. Uh, um, Sean Ellis and his team have done an amazing job there. Um, and I think the, the fact that content is upvoted uh, and that there's uh, uh, recaps every so often to know what's the best content makes it really useful. And since I think from about a year ago, they've started sharing uh, experiments uh, by email, not just like articles. And those like small nuggets of information, of ideas of, of what to experience, think are useful. Just to go a little bit deeper on that, um, <clears throat> I think too often people um, are not aware of the successes of others and knowing what others are, are doing helps you create your own experiments much faster than if you have to create everything yourself. Yeah. Next one, your most important growth metric. Revenue. And that's the only thing that jumps. You know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> All the rest is just proxies, you know. Like if if I grow the, there's one thing, you know, like one thing in company, you know, if you if you grow the revenue, the boss is never going to be unhappy. That's yeah. it. That's the only thing that matters. <laughs> exactly. Straight to the point. Uh, and finally, your the final one. What would be your best piece of advice for fellow SaaS growth marketers? Yes, uh, the exact counterpoint of what I said two questions above. Do your <laughs> own experiments. Uh, I think what I said above is you got to learn from others because when you're pressed for success, you need to uh, take what's working for others, adapt it, make it your own, um, and make it work. However, you're not getting a competitive edge. You need to find your own wedge. You need to find your own experiments. If you do what others are doing, and that's the only thing you're doing, you're going to succeed, but you won't win. You will not win over competitors by doing the same thing. It's only by doing something that's unique. You can take what others are doing and change it. You can create from scratch. Still, in the end, you need to find something that's unique to you and that works to succeed over your competitors. That's my advice. Awesome. Hey, G, thank you so much for joining us on the Growth Hub podcast. It's been an absolute pleasure to chat with you. And we're super excited about seeing what awesome things you and the Drift team will be cooking up this year. For sure. And I'll come back to time to talk uh, and tell you everything about it. That was Guillaume Caban sharing his insights on growth marketing and his plans for building out the growth function at Drift. If you enjoyed this episode, then you can follow G and give him a shout out on Twitter at Guillaume Caban. Also, if you're enjoying the Growth Hub podcast, then please subscribe, leave us a review, and we truly appreciate any feedback you have. And you're always welcome to get in touch with me on Twitter at Nordic Edward.
So thank you for listening to the Growth Hub podcast brought to you by SaaS marketing agency, Advanced B2B. This is your host, Edward Ford, signing off and make sure you check out the Growth Hub at advancedb2b.com slash the Growth Hub for more content and resources on everything B2B SaaS growth. It's our job to tell better stories.